All right, three, two, one, and we're live. Hi, everyone. I am your host, Mark Ryan, and welcome back to another episode of RAS, Talking with Teachers. And I mentioned before in my last podcast, it's not really just talking with teachers. It's talking with people. That's pretty much what I like to do here. And today we have someone very important in the world of Raha International School and definitely Talim, the organization that Raha is part of, Roz Marshall. Do, do people call you Roz Marshall? Or they, how, how should Ross. I be saying it? Ross. Just Roz. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Roz. It's short for Rosamond. Okay. But my maiden name was even more difficult to pronounce, so we decided just to shorten Roz was much easier. Okay. Rosamond. Sorry. We'll do that again. So, good morning, Roz. How are you? <laughs> good morning. I'm very well. Thank you, Mark. Now, I want to start this off with uh, a part of your life that must, you must be really used to, travel. You have to travel between not only, I'm assuming, Dubai to Abu Dhabi to come see Raha and go to all the, all the schools that are connected, but I'm sure traveling abroad and seeing different education platforms that are happening, different schools that their take on things, conferences, everything. How is travel part of your life? Well, actually, in this role, I've been with Talim now for nearly six years. And the travel here is far less than it was in my previous role when I had 65 establishments all around the UK. So I was forever on the road. Right. And I was also driving myself. So travel here is a lot easier um, because whether you're on planes, whether you're in cars, it's an opportunity, first of all, I think, for thinking time. It's a real privilege for me to go around and visit all of our schools and other institutions because you get the opportunity to see how people are interpreting the same regulations, the same requirements, and exchange good ideas and take them from one place to another. So it's a really nice opportunity to be able to flip from one to the other establishment. But from a travel perspective, time on the road is always quite useful for me. First of all, as I say, productive for thinking time, preparation for where you're going next and the people you're going to meet, but also for working as well. I tend to, my laptop is my trusty friend. Um, My handbag is never without passports and chargers and all those essentials for life nowadays. Um, and including all those tiny mini liquids that you have to take everywhere on the airport because you can't, if you're travelling without any check-in luggage, you don't want to be taking anything that's too huge in your handbag. So, right, so what I'm, is the milliliter? Is it so you're 100 mils you have to be below. Right. But, but the problem is they also give you those silly little plastic bags which you're supposed to get everything into. So I have at least a couple of those silly little plastic bags full of little bottles um, for wherever I'm going. And unfortunately, they've become the sort of modern-day version of a makeup bag now. So. And what would... It, this was just kind of off the cuff here, but what would be the top three little things you'd put in that tiny little bag of yours if you were traveling? What do you need when you're jumping um, on an airplane and going to some IB World Conference? Or Well, glasses cleaner for my spectacles <laughs> is always a prerequisite, I'm afraid. Um, sometimes, depending on the country, you're going to um, anti-bite um, mm. stuff as well. And um, always a lipstick, I think, because being a female, I, I tend to sort of fade away during the day. Okay. And uh, need to at least sort of smile up sometimes for various presentations. Yeah, that, well, it's nice to hear because for someone who doesn't wear glasses or wear lipstick on a regular basis, <laughs> I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have envisioned those things initially being in the top three, but that's kind of cool to hear. Um, what I want to talk about next is something I heard you discussing on the radio one time, and it was... The growth of the education scene in the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, the change maybe that's happening in Dubai, um, mm-hmm. 
But more specifically, the kind of growth that's happening here at Raha mm -hmm. uh, International School, in the sense that it seems like uh, when I talk to people, when they think about the education landscape in the Middle East, they're not as optimistic as maybe they used to be, where on this campus we are quite, mm. it's kind of the opposite. I still do feel this sense of, of course, growth, and we're opening up Raha Khalifa campus, and we're going to have this Raha Gardens campus, and it's all, it's all about growth, and it's all about this continuing to improve, where maybe I think I heard before and when you were speaking on the radio that in Dubai it's just this really competitive thing and you got to really try to pull in the students and it's a real struggle and I heard that a lot at the awards ceremony that we were both at not too long ago. Everyone was thanking oh, how hard we're working, we have to get the kids and we, this means so much to us and I thought wow I didn't I didn't feel that anxiety myself. Well I think we so. work hard to, to attract students here at Raha too um, although obviously over the years, since the school was established in 2006, it has matured into a very full school, and we are in a very fortunate position now to have identified a nearby plot of land where we can build um, our Khalifa city campus, as you say. So I think um, there are, I feel sometimes it's quite schizophrenic if you look at D Dubai versus Abu Dhabi. They are in the same country, uh, part of the seven crucial states here for the Emirates, but they also are extremely different in the way that they are governed and the way some of the community things are happening. So Dubai certainly has had a plan to increase the number of international schools and has attacked that quite aggressively. Over 70 schools in the last five years since I've been here have opened up and therefore there is a surplus of seats and, and a huge sense of capacity in premium quality schools in Dubai. In Abu Dhabi, it's always much slower, more steady, has a sort of longer-term vision, and um, our growth here is equally exciting because we are the first full IB school here. Uh, we are the first full outstanding IB school here in the Emirate, and I think that that really prospers hugely for the organisation and for everybody who works here in the sense that we can capitalise on that unique position there is, a, there is a sense of magic at Raha, and I don't say that in any sort of hallucinogenic way, <laughs> it really is. Um, what has established over the years here, and within as the principal recently, but also through Wayne's foundation here, over the many years he was here as a principal, it's created a culture and a sense of community here that is not just about meeting the needs of students, it's about exceeding expectations. We have an amazing diverse community here, both in terms of our staff, but also especially in terms of our families and students. And that intercultural um, organisation is something which is really thriving and is, and is something that the school does really well to foster and to ensure is, is part of the ethos of the school here. And that's why we're so careful in the long-term planning for a second campus that we don't just throw up a building and put in another principal and just let it get off the ground. Uh, we really want to take the essence of Raha International School in this gardens campus into Halifa City. And I'm convinced the way that we're planning it and the way that the task force is meeting now every month ahead of the opening, we are getting to a very solid platform which will be, a, be the foundation of that success. Right. And... It is a little bit, I was talking to this with, uh, with Ian, about how do you grab hold of something where you refer to it as magical or something, like how do you grasp something, kind of that feeling people get when they walk, into, walk onto the Raha campus, and again, I, I'm part of it, but I still do see that when 
guests come in or people come in that, for example, when I'm meeting people for the yearbook or what have you, they have this general ease to themselves once they're kind of on the campus. They're walking around and cleaner says hi to them or suddenly they say hi. You know, there's just this kind of, they feel like maybe they've been on the campus before, you know, mm -hmm. that they're kind of welcomed in and not this instant kind of outsider. How, how does the task force think about grabbing that, you know, I want to say, I want to go back to Malcolm Gladwell, who I've talked about before on the podcast, that kind of blink effect where you can kind of get it in that instant kind of three seconds, like, wow, Khalifa campus feels like the garden campus. Mm. It'll feel different because it's going to be constructed differently. Mm -hmm. But the intangibles, the soft power that actually exists within Raha is something that is created over a number of years. It's not some, we're not manufacturing widgets here. You can't just <laughs> buy something and stick it in and plug it in and off it goes. You know? right. And that's why we're taking such care in the people because it's all about people. Education is a service. It's a service sector. It's not a business that can actually just turn over things and, and produce outcomes for students without actually having human interaction. So the people that we choose to come and work in Raha, the people that actually then are welcomed into the Talim family, you know, the whole essence hangs on the four pillars of our values, our company values. It is a pioneering school by the very nature of the work that we're doing, and we want it to become more so. We want to invest in the professional development of our teachers to make it a research education-led school. So teachers come here to join the Raha community, and actually, if and when they leave, they leave with added value, something that they've actually gained along the way on their route. So pioneering as a, as a true company value is increasingly important for the protection of the Raha soft power. Um, professionalism almost goes without saying, but it certainly doesn't go without a lot of hard work. Um, code of conduct, how people look and act and feel, as you say, that blink moment when you come into the school, is because everybody actually has their own sense of purpose, their own accountability for their work, and that sense of freedom and empowerment, which is really important in distributive leadership. And for nurturing and for spirited are other two values, of course, making sure people are cared for, that people matter. Um, it's, it's important as leaders, leaders in school, leaders in Tallinn, that we invest in our time to make sure that we understand our people's challenges and concerns. Life is not without difficulties, whichever part of the world you come from or wherever you are working. And so therefore making sure you're tuned in to the sensitivities and difficulties that people are facing and support them through those challenges is important. So it is, you know, we talk about the Talim family, we don't mean it in the sense that um, it's all lovely, soft and touchy and everything else. It is about making sure people feel connected, people feel that they have a, a say, they have a voice, and we want to make sure people feel supported.